Welcome to the experience. Sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya. Welcome back to another episode of The Experience brought to you by Avaya, where we bring you thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, technologists, creators, influencers, and others who are bringing to life the future of experiences. I'm Kim Howland, Global Vice President of Marketing at Avaya and guest host for today's episode. And on the show today, we're excited to have our Avaya CEO, Alan Masaryk. Alan is with us today to share a business update. Alan, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. It's, Thanks, Kim. It's great been, to be here. I'm excited to have you here. It's been an incredible journey these past 10 months, and it's great to have you join our podcast. We're here in our New York City office, and we're recording the last episode of this season's podcast, and I think there's no better way than to end with you. Our That's CEO. very nice. Thank you. We're very excited. So it's been a journey. You're no stranger to journeys, and you don't shy away from a challenge. You've biked across the U.S., done lots of incredible things. Can you share with our audience some of the other passions and hobbies that you have? I like doing a little bit of cycling. Kind of a family guy, and I've got a couple kids and two granddaughters who are my love of my life. Work a lot. Been married to the same woman for 35 years. But life is good. I feel grateful every day. So let's dive in. You often say you believe our future is brighter than our past performance. I completely agree with you. Can you share your vision on how we get there? You kind of talked about four objectives of our business. And can you tell us why you believe this is the right ones right now for Avaya? So first of all, let's just talk why I think the future is better than the past. When I joined, I had a sort of very specific thesis, which was how do you think of Avaya as this incredibly attractive set of assets? Our customer base, global distribution, IP portfolio. We're still the market leader, the biggest in the world in both the UC and CC categories. You take those assets and couple that with this extraordinary brand, almost iconic in its awareness, and then think about the megatrends where communication solutions are moving towards customer experience. And the TAM in the customer experience is expected to grow to like $33 billion by 2029. My whole view was, how do we take these assets and these market-leading positions and guide them into what is an ever-larger TAM and a very attractive growth rate? around customer experience. Because what's so important about customer experience is brands have to compete based upon that. The days of a brand being able to compete based upon price or availability or delivery is tougher and tougher in today's internet world. Customer experience is the holy grail. In terms of the objectives for the company, we came in here having to restructure both on the cost and balance sheet side and then reset our product strategy, moving to the cloud, the related go-to-market, realign the organization and revitalize the culture. Underpinning that, I'm a huge believer in simplification. So we've simplified our objectives to really just four. First is to create a destination place to work, which means how do you create a culture that the most talented folks in the industry want to come? That's number one. Number two is along that product journey, we have to deliver it on time of high quality those modernized solutions that the customers need on their journey to the cloud. Three is customer focus, is to be a customer delight organization. Our job is to provide for the business a great underlying technology so they drive a great 
customer experience for their downstream customers. We have to do the same for them. And then finally, it's about being accountable to one another, to customers, and to our results. My own experience is if you do the first three well, the fourth kind of takes care of itself. We've distilled it down that way. And I think the organization, by and large, everyone understands it. They're pulling in that direction. And we're really starting to see ever better velocity now coming out the backside of this. I think culture is the biggest driver here. And I, I think that we've done an incredible amount of work. You've talked a lot about the importance of innovation without disruption as it relates to cloud migrations to avoid that rip and replace scenario. Many enterprise customers have invested in those on-prem solutions. They still want cloud communication enhancements. We've committed to supporting our customers wherever they may be. We're not leaving any customer behind. In that right. customer experience tree, that is a critical path for us. So we're not going to leave them behind. So we've talked about that. Can you share some of the feedback you've received from their customers and partners about this and bringing that message to the market, how that's resonated? The strategy reflected in the theme, Innovation Without Disruption, has resonated extraordinarily well with customers and with partners. The way to think about innovation without disruption is really about the installed base of customers, almost all of whom are on our premise architected solution. And the overwhelming majority of those customers are on some level of cloud journey. Some may go all the way to full multi-tenanted public cloud, others sort of baby steps along the way. So the point is, how do we help that customer avoid the rip and replace? That's the disruption. But at the same time, innovate, bringing features over and above that sort of traditional voice contact center like chat, social, and digital. And it marries together, in effect, as a hybrid. So you pull out of our experience platform, you pull elements, whatever the customer wants, Let's say that today they want a WhatsApp channel, or they want a chat channel, or they want some other social channel. It pairs through a unified client. Now they get the innovation, a common experience, and the prem voice never has to be disrupted. So they get the innovation without the disruption. It is critically important and has resonated really well, particularly with large customers. If you've got 10 employees, making a move is might have a little bit of change management, but it's not fundamental business risk. If you have 10,000 employees or thousands and thousands of agents, it is fundamental business risk. And what we have found in talking to hundreds, if not thousands of customers and partners is they need to do this in a least disruptive, least risky way possible. Get the innovation, avoid the disruption. And we have competitors who've gone the other way. They've said, ah, eh, we're gonna de-emphasize Prem, we're not going to support sort of single instance cloud, and we're going to push everybody to the multi-tenancy. It's just not what our customers, particularly the large ones, have indicated that they want. So we've said to the customers, look, we respect your journey. It's your choice. And so you can run the gamut. You can go from being prem, if that works for your business or your geographic location or what have you. You can go all the way to multi-tenanted public cloud or you can take those baby steps in between. Add a piece of feature set at a time, or even move your infrastructure from running it in a data center, but move that prem solution from the data center and we'll move it into Microsoft Azure. Again, it's whatever makes sense for your journey, Mrs. Customer, not our journey, it's your journey. We wanna respect that, give you the choice. And that really is the brand promise of Avaya.
Absolutely. And I think that's really resonating, right? And I think there's lots of opportunity for our partners as well to participate in that journey with those customers. What can Avaya customers, partners, shareholders, and employees expect over the next six months from Avaya? What do you think they should expect based on that strategy you've laid out that is resonating very well? The beauty about what they expect is we've been incredibly transparent. So what they expect, they know what's coming. In my own view, when we started to change culture 10 months ago, what was really important to me was be really clear-headed about where we're going from a product strategy. We set the Avaya Experience platform as our North Star, and we even rationalized elements of the older product line. And it just gave the engineering group the ability to focus. And what you're seeing is we're burning down roadmap very quickly. We've finished 150 features since the beginning of this calendar year. But a part of that is also now being transparent with the customer and then being reliable as well. Starting in November of 22, we started actually publishing roadmaps and then demonstrated then reliability to customers. So in my view, the best way to secure trust with a customer is to be transparent on the one hand and reliable on the other. Do that quarter after quarter, trust emerges. That's precisely what we've done. We've been very, very focused with customers on what's coming and making them aware of it. The other side, which is really important, is we listen to the customers. Goes back to our core objectives. If you're going to be a customer delight company, you have to invest in getting that feedback, the voice of the customer. And so, as you well know, we're investing in the international users group. We're investing in gathering CSAT and NPS responses so that we can gauge our own progress. We are spending a great deal of time with partners throughout the world. We're investing heavily in our Engage conference as well. All are opportunities to get voice of the customer so that we can manage to a roadmap that works for that customer base. Trust is so important. I was just reading something yesterday about what decision makers are looking for when they're looking at brands and what's driving those brands. And 75% say it's all about trust. Can I trust? It's higher than even innovation in the decision criteria. It's switching. So it's really... It doesn't it's, surprise it's, me at all. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me either. It was, it was just kind of great to see it validated. This is the head of marketing. Near and dear to my heart is our iconic brand and keeping that brand relevant in the market. And as our customers are on their transformation journey, so are we in refreshing yep. that brand. It's important our brand reflects that well into the future. When you think about companies that are leaders in their space, what do you want the world to think about when they think about the Avaya brand? We're investing in the brand first. We still have very high awareness. But over the years, we have struggled in certain areas with being in the consideration set and in preference. So investing, the message we want is around supporting the customer's journey. Choice and journey are key elements of the brand. But at the same time, you want to restore the luster to Avaya. So when people think about us, what is the kind of visceral reaction? Right. What's the emotional reaction? Right, exactly. Innovation, trust, reliability helping me, sort of facilitating me, that's choice and journey at my pace, not pushing me sort of out of my comfort zone as a customer. All of those things we're trying to kind of imbue in our messaging around this brand. You want to restore that or burnish the Avaya promise, in effect. And that's reflected in the brand. It's reflected in those objectives as well, how we drive this forward. I think restoring the luster, I love that. That's a great way of saying it. I like it. 
we've seen a lot of headlines over the past 10 months, and we haven't shied away from any of them. I think that's part of our transparency. That's part of yep. leadership and culture that you've infused. I think we've done a really good job of getting our story out early and often and delivering it with that transparency, even throughout the financial noise of the last couple of quarters. So now that we've moved past this, we've turned the page. If you could write your headline about Avaya over the next two quarters, what would you like to see the headline read? Go back to the objectives. and Let's think forward to we're clinking champagne glasses on New Year's Eve. What do we celebrate back in terms of what we've achieved over the preceding a little bit more than a, probably a year and a half since I showed up? For me, that I'd like to see that culture, which is a journey on itself, never a destination, very healthy culture, having turned the corner, attracting the most talented in the industry. The product roadmaps, I want folks to have those tangibly betting on these solutions going forward. I want to see NPS scores in our customer delight functions, again, heading up and to the right. Lots and lots of improvement. This is not a journey that stops in two quarters by any stretch. It's ongoing. And I want to deliver on our core financial objectives, which again, requires us to do the first three, culture, product, customer, and requires us then to work together, be accountable to one another, to our customers, and to our results. Remember, in the restructuring we received about $4 billion in value, either from debt that was washed away and was forgiven and new capital. So I feel duty bound to those who sort of gave us $4 billion of relief and new capital that we got to deliver on those results. If we can look back at the end of the year and we have kind of checked all those boxes, we should all be exceptionally proud. Agree. So is there anything that I haven't shared with the audience today that you'd like to share with our audience today? The thing I come back to all the time on the, the Avaya story is, one, I'm just thrilled to be here. And what is, quite frankly, fun to me, and I have a lot of passion about, is Avaya is this, not just an iconic brand, it's an iconic company. Our lineage goes back to AT&T and Lucent. And as the world has evolved and there's been lots and lots of companies that have come in, in and out of our space and some have had meteoric rises and sometimes meteoric descents, what I want to see is that restoration of that luster. So what I tell people all the time is don't bet against us because I look at those assets, huge customer base, distribution, IP portfolio, leaders in the world in the two core categories an iconic brand. I see where the trends, these mega trends are going towards CX. I see the progress we're making. And now we've been blessed with this balance sheet, this level of debt, which quite frankly makes us financially stronger than just about anybody. I'm not sure whose position I would trade places with. And I sit back and to those who are sort of naysayers, perhaps I say, don't bet against Avaya. I agree. I can't think of a more exciting space to be in than this customer experience space. It's ever-changing. There's a lot going on. And fundamentally, it feels like experience becomes the center of an enterprise go forward. It's how brands are going to be measured. Talk to me about how you see the space changing and what's happening out there. I think what's happening in customer experience is just like you said, brands have to differentiate based on it. In the internet economy, where product discovery, price discovery, and delivery can happen instantly, how does that brand truly differentiate? Ultimately, it's how they make the customer feel. So it's about the experience. That's why most of the research talks about how 
the biggest TAM that is continuing to develop is this customer experience space. Communication companies, in my view, particularly on the contact center side where we're so strong, tend to be the heart, lung, and liver of that, the way I like to describe it. So when I talk about customer experience for any business, it's the following flows. And by the way, these flows cross the agent, the front of house agent, and the knowledge worker. Think about the back office. Almost every company, as employees, not agents, go outbound to prospects. They turn some of those prospects into qualified opportunities. Salespeople get involved and turn some of those opportunities into customers. Customers come inbound in that traditional contact center motion. And then account management or customer success goes outbound to existing customers for renewal and upgrade and enablement and such. Those flows cross agent and employee. That's why I believe they need to be on a common system. And you'll increasingly see UC and CC come together, which is precisely what we're doing. Also, those interactions from prospect to customer now are omni-channel. Certainly not just voice or email or chat or social or web, it's all of the above. And all of those interactions typically are stored in some sort of repository that's accessible to the employee or to the agent so they know what the history of those interactions are. Frequently, that's stored in CRM. That is a huge space, and it is the defining space, in my opinion, about how businesses will develop the best solutions to sort of be superior customer experience companies themselves. We, as a communications company, we're moving headlong to what I just described. Some communication companies tend to think of themselves as modalities, and I think that's a mistake. I do voice, I do video, I do messaging. I think you get commoditized there. Others may think, I just want to play in one market. I just want to play in the UCAS market or the CPAS market. I also think that's a mistake. I think you're going to get commoditized. I think you've got to think outcomes and the outcomes around customer experience. You don't have to look very far to see where the rest of the world is driving to the same space. You kind of got to start from where you start from. So think about Microsoft as an example. Obviously, they start from productivity, mm -hmm. going all the way back to Office and 365 and then Link and Skype and Skype for Business, now Teams and Dynamics. But it's adding all the communication elements moving into this broader customer experience space. I think that's the holy grail. They started from productivity and extended into communications. Salesforce and others on the CRM side have done the same thing, right. but you start from where you start from. To me, that is validation of just how attractive this space is. Folks who are going after it, monster companies like, in this example, Microsoft and Salesforce, going after this market opportunity. The thesis that I had when I came, which is so exciting, which is, again, go back to think of Avaya as a set of assets with these market-leading positions, particularly in the contact center space, which is sort of that core routing technology of what I just described really powerful. And so how we play these assets with this now supercharged balance sheet to be a relevant winning player in this huge customer experience TAM, that's very exciting. I think that opportunity is there for us. So Alan, a lot's happening, particularly in the AI space, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of players, certainly a lot of companies out there 
talk to me about what you think, how AI can enhance the customer experience or enhance the space that we're in. AI is going to be massive in terms of its impact in the broader customer experience space. Many have written about that there's sort of a belief that the impact of AI will be somewhat internet-esque in terms of its magnitude. And I believe that in a big way. I actually think it's really good for us as well because it sort of re-levels the playing field. We've been in earnest on our cloud strategy for about four years and others have been at it for longer. But what happens in these elements of AI is they tend to re-level the playing field. And what's interesting about it is most of the AI solutions are third-party platforms. So they're gonna become table stakes overnight, basically. Very few companies build it themselves. They are accessing ChatGPT or Google CCAI and a bunch of other platforms. And so because it's third party, it becomes table stakes very quickly and sort of invalidates some of the long ago efforts that folks made that might've been years longer than us in the move to cloud, sort of invalidate some of those longer efforts and again, relevels the playing field. What I think is exciting from our position is not just that re-leveling the playing field, it's the fact that since one feature doesn't win and everybody can access these platforms, it's the package that wins. So it's the software. And think of what we provide, the software. We provide the support. We provide the hardware. We provide professional services to help the client drive down that customer experience, that cloud migration. and Often, we are the incumbent. And as the incumbent, then we can provide all those elements, software, support, hardware, migration services, without creating the disruption that somebody else would. That package is very, very compelling. And what's going to happen is those pieces of AI functionality, you have to think about interactions, regardless of modality, voice or email or chat or social or web, what have you, as just data feeds. As a data feed, then the AI models can work with them. And it basically just makes the system smarter. And so routinized inquiries in voice can be answered through AI. You sort of then create greater employee satisfaction because they're not all day long working on password resets and kind of routinized stuff that seems very boring, they're doing things that are more interesting because the machine can solve whether it's, you know, voice originated or let's say mail, digital chat originated, the machine can solve some of this so that the human activities are more interesting pieces of work to do. I think it's going to be very exciting. It's going to make it really fast moving and the customers are going to want to adopt those AI elements of functionality quickly. Because the biggest cost the business customer has is the number of agents. So if they can do call deflection or shorter handle times and therefore reduce the number of agents, it's a good thing for their business. And so these are the ways that we're trying to attack that market, taking a very, again, customer in approach. What works best for our business customer? I think we're going to see some really interesting changes, and I think we're going to be on the forefront of it.
Yeah. And I think it changes the dynamic of who that customer service agent or that contact center agent is. That knowledge worker almost becomes that contact center agent because they're answering those more interesting engagements. I think it's going to be great for the contact center. I agree. Thanks again to Alan for coming on the show and giving our audience an update on Avaya. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm your guest host, Kim Howland, and this has been The Experience, where we share insights into the future of customer and employee experiences. Mm -hmm.